Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm seeing you have Vanderpump Rules Bravo set behind <laughs> you. What the? What is that? She's on? she's sponsored. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, she's not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just ready to party, Sharon. Like I'm, I'm I here and ready it. to party. Do you, would you like it. a drink? Can I make you a mocktail this morning? A mimosa, anything? No, I know you're living vicariously. You're like, I'm, I just want to be in a bar right now. I can't get to a bar, so I'm gonna be in the background of a bar. That's hilarious. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Angeles. Today, we have Sharon Shooter on the podcast, but before we get into our discussion, we would like to discuss the events of the past two weeks because more and more things have transpired. Okay, so first, guys, we know we are a beauty podcast, um, but we did create this podcast to share insider knowledge and to amplify voices within the industry and to entertain you, duh, but part of that is discussing current events and how they do affect the beauty industry. Yes, so the past two weeks will change how everyone moves forward, obviously, including us, Los Angeles. This will change what brands we do and do not cover. This is not abnormal for us. This is the job of an editor. You might have thought, I wonder why I don't hear about this brand on Los Angeles, and there are three reasons reasons typically the first two which are intentional we may have tried the product and did not feel it was effective or with the price we may have knowledge of the brand or founder being problematic or we simply haven't been able to try the product ourselves so what are we doing in light of all of the things happening um with Black Lives Matter right now. We are two people running this podcast. Neither of us are black. We feel we have had a variety of women on the show, but we should have more black representation. And please just know that this is something we've been discussing behind the scenes even prior to the past two weeks. So here's what we hope you guys gain from this. That one, you will put your own editor cap on and look into the brands you support with your dollar. This means looking at all parts of the equation, asking yourself, does this brand consistently screw up? Is the brand founder problematic? Do they co-opt another culture? If you do the work to find clean, vegan, or cruelty-free brands, you can do the same when it comes to avoiding problematic brands and brands that don't respect basic human rights. That being said, we won't be perfect. You won't be either. It's impossible to know absolutely everything. Although as two Capricorns, we do try. (laughs) (laughs) But being open and learning uh, is a start. Pull Up for Change is an initiative started by Sharon Shooter asking for corporate America to step up and reveal their black employees, including leadership positions. Many brands have pulled up. Some brands are disappointing, but are not surprising. And some are really, really shocking. And then there are some who have been completely silent during these times. This moment in time will weed out good brands from complicit brands and willing to change versus those who really just don't care. So we wanted Sharon on the show because of her powerful message, and you will get to know her a bit better during our interview. Okay, so without further ado, a little bit about Sharon. Sharon Shooter is the founder, CEO, and creative director of Umma Beauty, a brand that literally means beautiful. 
Sharon is from Nigeria, and she spends her time between London and Los Angeles. Uma's values and beliefs include self-expression, colorful living, African pride, empowering tribe, inclusivity, and what the brand calls beautiful rebellion, which states we must be bold and outspoken to challenge outdated conventions, which I think is so fitting given what Sharon has been doing in the past two weeks. Sharon's resume is long and filled with iconic brands, so she's really seen how other brands operate, and she created Uma to revolutionize the cosmetics world as it stands today. So... Sharon is going to explain her upbringing, her background, why she's so passionate, why she did, you know, does what she does, why she created the brand, and also what she's hoping to achieve out of the pull up or shut up uh, initiative that she created. We want more people to hear Sharon's message. She's an incredible human being. Sarah and I, there's a part where she talks about bringing a brand to Nigeria and like launching it. And we're just like, what are you at age like? yeah yeah like 16 or something like you're we were in awe of her so you're gonna love this episode so 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 much Sharon thank you so much for joining us today uh absolutely my pleasure so you haven't met Sarah yet right no unfortunately not no, we haven't. But we're meeting virtually now, so I'm going to give you a virtual yeah, hug. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I told Sharon I showered for her today, so that's that's more than so, I've done for a lot of people. <laughs> well, well, I haven't showered today, so you're hugging a very stinky woman. So, so at least one of us is clean. Sharon, I didn't shower for you today. I, I'm embarrassed, but but I did put on some lip gloss. Well, then we're on the same page. Then we're both stinkers. So I, we're, we're both the stinky ones. Um, so, uh, guys, I met Sharon, I think it was November or December at this point. Um, she was on a panel that I moderated. She was easily, I was telling everyone, my favorite person on that panel was Sharon. Because Sharon does not mince her words. She has intent when she speaks. And she gives truly valuable information. I don't know if you guys have been to panels. I've been on a, a thousand panels. Sarah's been on a thousand panels. Sharon's been on a thousand panels. And they can get so boring incredibly yeah. boring because everybody likes to play nice and everybody likes to sit there and look pretty but they don't like to give the real stuff and Sharon was talking about starting Uma and and what she had to go through and we're going to get to some of those little morsels um, later in this conversation but we need Sharon right now she is going to change the world she already is doing it I am so proud to have you on this podcast so thank you so thank much you. Thank, thank you, you for so joining much. us we we I remember after Kirby interviewed you on that panel, which by the way there were like six people on that panel, and obviously Sharon still managed to stand out. <laughs> Stop it! That's because I can't shut up. I talk on the water. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember Kirby and I were like, we need to get Sharon on, and we we were gonna have you on. Mm. I can't remember when, and obviously you December. are such a busy yeah. My yeah, my, my life so... changes every minute. You know, um, it's like my team now. They're going like, okay, we were supposed to do this, and now Sharon's like every day like is. Uh, people don't know what I'm doing right now. I pulled it together in 24 hours. And so my team, one second, we're doing something else. And next second, it's like, so where is Sharon going to be? Yeah, cancel all my meetings for Wednesday because I'm not going to be available. And Thursday and Friday. And they're like, okay, are we going to still run this business? Yeah, Sharon is temporarily absent. So uh, so that's my life. Everything changes like in real time because, you know, life happens. Okay, so Sharon, to kick things off, um, you've been described as a rebel with a cause. So have you always been this outspoken or did it take a couple of years or a couple of jobs, a couple of experiences to really find your voice? Um, finding my voice publicly, yes. 
but you know i've always been uh, i mean i used to get beat up all the time i had my jaw broken my rib broken as a kid you know i used to get beat up beat up by you know like boys and everybody around me because um because they i was always that person who just called it as it is i've just never been able to i never i just don't have the ability my brain doesn't process that way and it was really costly for me at the start of my career. It was very, very costly. You know, organizations are very political beasts. You know, they don't like people who like with my mouth. So I had to actually learn within when I was working in corporate to tame it, you know, as best as I could. And I still was a troublemaker, you know. So uh, I was always called difficult. You know, the words they label you because you're actually going, hey, that's not fair, you know. So all my life, I've always been that person. I've always been that person who always had, uh, it just bothers me. Social justice issues bothers me. It always has. Um, and, you know, I remember even back home, um, I was writing my exam for, for the universities, like the SAT, the equivalent um, um, type exam. And that day, so it's your final exam that qualifies, takes you from high school and you get your final grades. And um, the day we were writing a particular subject, uh, one of my classmates, her house had been attacked and burnt and her brothers were all dead, right? All of the, her family died. But you have, you know, that's why I go, the black experience is different. You don't have the luxury of mourning your family because you have to go and get an education. So she still had to turn up and write this exam because if she doesn't write it. You have another year where you can't go to university and you're hurrying to go to university so you can get a good job. So she comes in and she's bawling her eyes out. Like she's just shaking because of the, like it's, there's, there's different, and not saying any death is easy, but burning like watching your family burn, it, it has to be one of the most traumatic things that can happen to you because you're going to be hearing the screams, right? It's terrible. So this girl is there shaking. The invigilator was so mad at her because she was a nuisance and because obviously she couldn't write. And so I started, I told her, pass me your paper secretly. So she passed it to me and I started writing for her because I was like, I'm going to do this exam for you so that you can pass because you are not in a position to be writing an exam. Um, and then I finished writing for her and then I got caught writing for her. So I got penalized and failed. I got failed and got tagged a cheat and examination malpractice is what they called it. So I literally had to fail that subject because of, her, because of what I did. And I had no regret for it. I had no regret at all. And my parents were so mad at me. Why do you always have to get involved? Why does it always have to be a problem? There were hundreds of people in that room and everybody did the right thing by not doing anything. And I've just never been the person who can sit back and watch something like that. I always go, can't people see this person is hurting? Can't you see? And I've always been that person. So it's, it's, I've always been the person in school who will start riots, you know, who will go, hey guys, this is not fair. They're not treating us equally. Let's strike. And everybody strikes and then I get expelled. So I've had that history. I, it's always followed me around um, because I just, when I see, I, I just talk is cheap. Talk, talk, talk is just cheap. Hate everybody talking and talking and talking and talking. It just pisses me off. So I'm an action-oriented person. So when I see something, firstly I'm going to speak up, and then but I want to do something about it. And um, so it didn't start today. I mean, even me living corporate, starting my brand, it's all of that, you know. So I've always been that person where immediately I'm dissatisfied with the status quo. I, I, at some point I, I just need change and I just will speak up. So, and damn the consequences. I think that's a problem. I, not, my, the wires in my brain don't really connect with consequences in terms of, you know, you're going out there riding, you could get shot and you could be killed. And I don't even think about that stuff. Like and when people say that, 
it doesn't even scare me. I'm still running out there and saying what I want to say. So somehow there's something, some wires not plugged in properly in my head. I think like there is a, there is something that's not working in my brain, but you know, um, it's a gift for me. Um, in, in, I used to hate that about myself, you know, because it got me into trouble a lot. And in those moments when everybody's yelling at you, you sort of go, why did I get involved? You know, uh, what is wrong with me? But uh, as I grew older, I just learned to accept that that this is just part of the Sharon package and that's just how it's going to be. I would describe you as fearless. I know a lot of people say, you know, bravery is doing something even though you're scared. You're never scared. You're just doing the damn thing. So I, this is the epitome of fearlessness for me. Um, However, I mean, of course you do have fears of of what could happen to you and your family and and the people you love and care about. That's why you're doing this. Um, But it really does come from a fearless place where you don't even care what the consequences are for yourself. Yes. And I think it's a thing, like when people say the word fearless, you know, we all have fear because you, you're a smart person. You process that information. I remember the morning before I posted the first thing about this thing, I felt so sick in my stomach. I felt so sick in my stomach. But where I say something's disconnected, other people will have that feeling and sort of go like, you know what, give it up and walk away. That thing doesn't plug in. So I do feel that, you know, kind of like butterflies in the stomach, the tightness, because I'm a human being. I've got the biology, the chemicals are working. But I think it's the conscious efforts to override it. And that's the part where I talk about that why is not connected in terms of, <laughs> I know if I run in there, I'm fully aware I'm not stupid. I, like, you know, the other day I was protesting, I got shot twice in the, in the leg, right? Um, and luckily it was blanks, but it doesn't stop it from hurting and bruising like crazy. Mm. But, you know, and, and then there was a burning car right next to me that was about to explode, right? But even in the midst of that, like you're looking at it, you go like shots on the floor, up, people, car, okay. Everybody else is like, okay, time to go home, right? Reaction is no, I just gonna change my location and then continue, you know? And I think um, that's the part. So it's not like, you know, um, you don't have an organic fear because I mean, fear is an instinct to keep you alive. It is very necessary. Um, It's just about like for me, you know, assessing the risk and doing that in a very quick way to go, what am I, what is the risk to me, you know? And, And how does that, how does that balance out in the great scheme of things? And is the... I think it's a part of that, just going, you know, I, I see life differently from people. I don't, I'm not going to judge the, my life or my, my um, purpose by how long I live. I always tell people that it's going to be about the quality of what I do with the time that I'm given. I really, really hate the fact that, and I don't want to get too deep, how unpredictable life is, how everything, you don't know why you're here. You don't know what's going on. And I don't know any of that. I can't control any of those. The only thing I can control is what I do every day with my consciousness. And I just have to make every single day count. And when I see something that I don't feel is great, I have to do something about it, regardless of the consequences. Because if the consequence is death, we're all going to die, right, at some point. And those are the kind of stupidity that comes into my head, you know, whereas other people have, you know, <laughs> whereas other people have better thoughts to go like just save your life and go away my thoughts would be like eh, after all we're gonna die another day like is it a today or tomorrow next tomorrow someday's gonna happen spirit just jump in so um so yeah so so yeah just just on that point of fearlessness because i think some people don't give themselves credit because they feel fear they go oh i'm not a courageous person courage is not the ability to not feel fear is feeling fear and overcoming that fear is the conscious decision of what do you do in that moment of fear because life is all about choices every second of our life we're making choices and the choices we make changes everything 
you know, a decision to do this or not do this, even something as tweeting or a text or a message or this or a phone call, every single, every single thing in life is, is choices. You always have that. And it, it, it's, and, uh, and I feel like that's, you know, courage is just the ability to be afraid because you're a human being, but making a conscious choice to go, I'm still going to do it. And obviously, you know, you could have, you could have got into politics. You could have got into activism. We, <laughs> uh, we would have voted for you. We'll still vote for you if you, if you want to make a career change. <laughs> no. um, People tell me that all the time. You should go into politics. I'm like, I'm not a politician. I, I, I think I'm a, I'm a mobilizer is what yeah. I'm, I'm better as a mobilizer. I'm not a paper pusher. Yeah, you totally. Know, I, you know, I am, I will be, I'm a better activist than I am an activist and I'm a better activist than I am a politician. And I think sometimes people don't know the difference. So you see a lot of activists then become politicians and it's like, you were a better activist than a politician because now you're just not a good politician. You know, I don't have the patience to read through 200 pages of, you know, like paperwork. Right. I don't have the patience to do that. Um, I don't have the patience to do with BS. Right. So you're still doing it through, you know, you're through Uma and, and you're and through in the beauty industry, obviously. But can you tell us your first memory of beauty and why maybe you decided to go into the beauty industry direction? Yes, it actually happened by accident. It literally happened by accident. Like I was, <laughs> I was a singer, like every black girl tries to be, right? Um, it's true, but that's why I talk about, that's why what I'm doing right now is so important to me because when you're a black kid, what is the only successful people you ever see anywhere are singers, or, you know, rappers, actresses, dancers, athletes. So I was a terrible athlete. I'm five foot three, size zero. I I have I have no like my strength is in my mouth. The actual physical energy, nada. I am not. That's why I always got beat up because my mouth never matched my strength. So I would go la 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 la. And when it comes to a fight, I'm like yeah, let's throw down, and I would get beat up to a pulp because my mouth has aggravated the person to the point where they just want to demolish me kind of thing. Um, so I've never been a strong person. So I'm, I didn't excel in athletics. I was never an athletic person. So I started my life as a singer and then um, I needed a day job because singing does not pay the bills. And that was really how I got into beauty. And, um, you know, when I got into beauty, I found a home because, you know, I'm a person where I, uh, I'm mentally ambidextrous. So I finished high school. When I finished high school, I was just about 15. And that was about that age when I got into university. I was just barely 16 when I got into university. And so I was that kid who was very, very academic, extremely academic. And everybody sort of puts you in that path because you're extremely academic, right? You can do math. You can have one of the few girls who actually enjoys math and further math. It's always been like intuitive to me. I loved it, you know? So I always had that duality of being a geek and also being a rebel where, you know, I was a creative. I will, you know, in my spare time, I will write poems. I will write music. I will, you know, create. I, you know, I, I you know, that's what I bring to my brand. Like I create everything. I create the naming, the packaging, everything, the campaigns. I'm there with the shoot, you know, so I'm, I have got an extremely creative mind. So that was always a conflict. And that was, so I rebelled early against my parents who wanted me to be an academic because it was like, it was a waste. I could have had a PhD at 19, you know, kind of thing or, or 20. And then I wasted it all to go, oh, I want to go sing. And, and when I met beauty, beauty was a place that allowed me be creative whilst being a business person. So it allowed me activate both sides of my brain at the same time. And I really like that. And I think that's why I stuck with the industry because it was a creative industry that was also a commercial industry. Um, and, um, and I really like that. So I embraced that. Um, and I honestly, I always, I like music, but I never deep down inside, I don't like fame. 
I don't like fame. I just, I don't, I, it's just not a thing that I like. I just, I would rather be rich and, and, and unknown so I can actually enjoy the money. Yes. Be I yes. feel like you're in a prison. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, totally. Agree. Oh my God. When's your birthday, girl? Tell me right now. I'm Aquarius. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, really, like sometimes you walk around, like, you know, even right now, even doing all my beauty. Like sometimes I go, I'm trying to sit in a restaurant, you know, and someone will walk in and they know and they're so excited. But it makes you so nervous. Like, I don't know how famous people deal with it. It makes you so nervous, you know, because when people meet you, they, you know, it's almost like, I know you, you know, and there's this real familiarity that sometimes can be scary because you're thinking, what do you know about me? You know, because is it a perception of who I am or who I actually am? Like, you know what I mean? Um, so yep. it's nice sometimes because obviously getting to connect with people um, and, and everything is nice, but at the same time, it's quite scary, you know? Um, and sometimes you just want to like do things without somebody like, you know, just do things, like go somewhere in skinny dip, you know? Just yep. do that. <laughs> and never allow the sham from Oma, oh, holy cow. You know, so, and I'm nobody, let alone what the um, um, celebrities go through every single day. So, so that's where, that's where for me, it's like, it's all, you know, I, I really wanted, this was perfect for me. It was like, I could get my anonymity. I could be able to build a career. I can use my creativity. I can use my, you know, academic and, and strategic and business and tenacity and energy and and all of that made for made for um, a good path in terms of going into beauty and and like right now for me being an entrepreneur i might have missed this because of your day job did you get did you get a job like at a counter or no no or... no no i no my first job was i was like literally like almost like rapping with a distribution company but long story short i ended up bringing revlon to nigeria long we have to like that's a whole story for wine but it was crazy because they didn't know i was a teenager at the time oh you know it was crazy like i contacted them i contacted everybody everybody said no revlon said yes but anyway i ended up launching revlon in nigeria and then selling it off what yeah exactly <laughs> um and so that was my first taste of business and at that point i had two parts continue and try and be a business person then but I thought that, no, I, I want to learn. I want to go into the corporations and learn because there was just, I mean, if I had done that business again now, like firstly, I gave away the business with that. I have no royalties. Like I literally just gave them my inventory, made them pay me for my inventory. That was me selling my business back then in my teenager. I didn't know nothing, you know, mm. I mean, I could be still like sitting here and making money today if I know what I know now, you know what I mean? I will just be yep. lying here while wherever I'm be writing me my checks and whatever they're making in Nigeria. But, um, no, I, I didn't do that. So, but, but I didn't know a lot and I wanted to know a lot. I, you know, I, for me, it was the humility to know that. And that was why I sold it as well, because I knew I couldn't manage it. You know, it was much bigger than, than what I could manage. And so I gave it away. So I decided to continue the path in beauty. And that was really my entry in beauty. And then I went to L'Oreal. I worked as a rep with L'Oreal area manager and, and then moved and then left the industry, went to Pepsi, came out of Pepsi, went into, you know, a pharmaceutical went into what's now GlaxoSmithKline um, and then uh, um, ended up at LVMH with Benefit Cosmetics. So yeah, crazy journey. Oh my gosh. Okay. That is truly amazing. I'm like, so wait, what do you mean your day job? And you're like, oh, well, I brought Revlon to Nigeria. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, what counter did you start at? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the brand, Uma. Um, it literally means beautiful and reading all of the articles, you know, about your journey, you said that you wanted to create a brand that was a response to the challenges that you were seeing in the beauty industry at the time. Yeah. So you created Emma in? Um, 2019. 
We're one year old. Yeah, where people think we're, we've been there a lot longer than we are. Seriously. So what were the challenges you were seeing at the time that you wanted to make sure your brand was not a part of, contributing to, or solving? Yeah, I think the same challenges I'm talking about today, you know, lack of inclusivity, lack of diversity. Um, at the time, I was screaming to people, there are no diversity in this corporation. You know, the conversations I'm having today, Everybody feels like I just started having it because of Black Lives Matter. I'm like, go back to my interviews from two years ago. I was saying the exact same thing, you know? So for me, it was be within these corporations. They didn't provide products for Black people. You know, they didn't provide products for people. Um, they didn't have representation within here. I couldn't be part of it anymore. I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I hated myself. I felt like a shell of myself. I felt empty because I don't know, like I said, it's just the way my brain works. I felt like I was betraying my people. I was selling out. I was selling out for a paycheck. You know, um, I'm sitting in those rooms, I'm hearing what people are saying. And you know, it's almost a treatment like, you cool, you know, the others are not cool, right? But you cool, mm. you know? And I couldn't do that anymore. You know, products just, you know, in the product development, it, everything needed a revamp and nobody was prepared to listen. You know, you have, you, I mean, today I'm even just telling them leadership team. At some point, somebody should ask all the brands to show you their product development teams. Yeah product development teams, they should show you what they physically look like and you will see why the products out there are reflective of the way they are. And so for me, I thought, no, it's time to once again, put up or shut up. Um, and I decided to put up and go, okay, I can be here complaining or I can just walk out, take the risk, start something and create a home for people like who felt left out because I think most people can relate on some level to feeling left out. You know, and for me, it wasn't, for me, I felt left out because of the color of my skin. I felt left out because of the duality of my personality that people don't understand it because I don't fit into any box. Nobody's able to categorize me. And so I understand what it feels like to be a weirdo, you know, to be an outcast. And, you know, and so for me, I wanted to create a home for everybody so that they could feel, they could love themselves. They could be unapologetic. And especially for the next generation, everything I do, I think about the next generation. I don't have kids, but I want to make life better for other kids. You know, because, and I said that to my mom, she's like, the time, you know, mothers, I'm going to have an African mom, she's like, oh, I'll have children or whatever. And I was like, mom, they're all my children. Every kid out there, every black kid out there is my kid. And I could go out there and go be making babies and having a family and be quiet. Or I could be here helping and improving the lives of all of these children. And that's what I choose to do in my time. I want to improve the life of all these children so they can have a better life than I did. And that's, for me, more rewarding than holding my own offspring. And, and I, I think that's crazy. It's, it's insane to other people, but that's how I feel. I'm like, as much as I will, you know, it's a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling to hold my own child. If I do that, it will hinder, it will stop me, it will slow me down, right? So I would much rather not be slowed down, not for wealth, but to help other people. And so I wanted to create a place where all these young girls who are growing up now could feel okay to be themselves themselves like they don't have to be anybody else and there is so much influence out there it's fake and it's shallow and that's what's popular but i wanted people who wanted something else wanted substance you know like we i always saw people from day one of the brand we're never going to be the most popular brand in the world we're never going to be because we refuse to do the things that we need to do to be popular we are going to be stand for you know we are ethical disruptors that's who we are we will stand always holding a very strong moral ground. We will always choose ethics before money. You know, it was like this week, I mean, now everybody's posting on their social media. We were one of the first to do that, to go, we're not gonna sell products. You know, I told my social media manager, stop, we're not, should I post lipstick? Nada, we're not posting lipsticks. This is not the time because I genuinely just felt, not because of what my consumers were gonna say. I was like, I don't care if I don't make money for the next week. 
but I'm not going to post lipsticks is just so irrelevant in the context. They can go to our website and scroll down in our field and see everything. They've, we've posted every single product we have at some point on that grid. They can find it. Right now, let's focus on the matter at hand. So I think for me, this is why I did this. Imagine me being with a company right now. Do you know how it would have felt? Because I wouldn't have been able to say or do anything. So I would have been sitting now in fear mm. whilst I'm absolutely upset, you know? So, so that's a really big thing for me. So that's, that was for me, you know, that's why I said all my, all my beauty. I wanted a place where everybody feels accepted. Everybody feels included. Everybody can be themselves, whoever you are, you know, while, for whatever reason, the beauty industry has told you bye-bye, you know, you're the wrong gender, you know, your sexuality, oh, bye, whatever it is. Come one, come all, come into a home. We don't judge anything goes and even with our tribe in comments you know sometimes if people want to make like really silly comments you know the other we posted up I mean, we were, i think we were the only brand who actually recognized that it's pride month you know because every other brand is afraid of what's politically correct it is pride month it's possible to talk about black lives matter and also recognize the lgbtiq plus community so we posted about pride month and recognized it right and obviously some people unexpected it because my team were like are you sure right now people are going to comment let them comment let them comment. There is room for me to acknowledge something. Just the fact that, you know, I lose a spouse does not mean I don't tell my sister happy birthday. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just crazy. Just because I'm mourning does not mean if there was a birthday in the fact, I, I probably won't have a party with you. I'm not going to come to your float, but the least I can do is send you a text and say happy birthday. And that was exactly what we did. So I think for us, it's creating this home for everybody, where everybody is recognized, everybody feels at home, you know, and, you know, for our LGBTIQ plus community, you know, they know we see you. I know we're tackling this issue right now, but we see you and we recognize you and we celebrate you and we celebrate your struggles because you are also marginalized just like us and we recognize you. And so we wrote down the names of all, like quite a few selection of LGBTQ uh, IQ plus people who've been, uh, who were killed because they get killed all the time. They encounter police violence. I mean, it just happened a few days ago, you know? So we had to recognize them. So I think that's one of the things that I wanted to do with the brand and it still what sets us apart that we're not a corporate tick boxy brand. We, we, we follow a moral standard. And even if it gets us into trouble, like I said, with that post, with Pride Month post, we knew it was going to get us in trouble, but it was the right thing to do. And so we did the right thing. And that's the difference between us and, you know, this is what frustrated me with corporations. It was always about what is the popular thing to do? And that's what I want to do. And that's why they all posted Black Lives Matter tiles. Not because they cared, because it was a popular thing to do. So they go with what's popular, we go with what's right. And that's what I wanted to set up. An actual home that prioritizes what's right versus what's profitable, what is popular, and what's my comment section going to like. Sharon, one thing you said on the panel that we were on together is that you were told when you were, you know, going to talk about your brand that you needed a white man with you. Yeah. Yeah. It would help. They were like, it would really help you because it gives credibility. It would be really nice if you just had like a white middle-aged man with you. It would give you credibility, you know, because... To raise money you know, for the brand. To to raise money. Exactly. To raise money for the brand. And the person wasn't lying. I'm not, I'm not attacking that person that you're lying, but that's the reality. They were just giving me like a really tip. And the person was an investor who was a prospective investor. And they were like, look, just letting you know, one of the things that will really help you right now in raising money and will accelerate this for you 
um, because at the time I was struggling to raise. And he was like, this will be the thing that makes the biggest difference for you. Just get yourself like, uh, you know, appoint the person as COO or something like that and let them go in with you. So you can talk about the brand and the passion of the brand and let them talk about the business of it. Because even though you know the business and you're super competent, it just gives them more confidence when it's a white middle-aged man. That's the sad part of life. It's, uh, Unbelievable. Exactly. And I sat back going like, wow, I know that's what you want from me, but I'm not going to do it. And it's the same thing. I, ha- I get that a lot. Oh, you need a co-founder. And some investors, we don't invest in brands without a co-founder. That's your problem. I don't have a co-founder. I'm not going to go and get a co-founder just to corporate tick box for you. Um, yes, there are benefits of the co-founder because you can split the work and everything and stuff like that. But I don't have one. I'm not going to go manufacture one. You know, and so it's just everything is so prescriptive. And that's why I go, if you're a person who you want to stay to your truth, um, you know, it, it just doesn't work out, you know. And so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. But yes, I did. I did get that feedback. Unbelievable. Did you send that investor your entire line of products and be like, look at me now? No, they, they <laughs> did come back again trying to invest. Like, you know, they would come back. Like, we're still in touch. We still yeah, talk yeah. and everything. You know, they seen what's going on. They want to come back in and they, they didn't invest that time. And now they're like, oh, we want to invest in everything. And it's like, yeah, you got to wait a lot, a long time because, yeah. So, so, uh, and you're going to have to pay a lot more now because, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's times have changed. So, yeah. so, um, so, yeah. So, but, you know, I, like I said, I don't hold it against this person because they're saying what the truth because other people are thinking it but not saying it. So mm-hmm. I respect them for actually saying the truth because I respect them. It's a stupid truth. But it just, at least it gives you the reality of why sometimes people are saying no to you, you know? Um, so, yeah. So your best-selling foundation comes in 51 different shades. Um, yes. Obviously, a lot of brands have, you know, after Fenty, they've followed suit and just would throw out like 40 to 100 different shades or whatever, but, but not really thinking about the person behind, uh, you know, the foundation colors just did it to do it but obviously that was not you. What did you feel like was sincerely lacking from like coverage products that made you create this 51 different shades? Yeah, to be honest, I had like 57, 57, 58. I had to call back. Um, I never was counting. It was really about what was needed. And, you know, I tested on over 300 women. Um, I tested and tested and tested and 51 was the number. And I remember when I went to the retailer, they were like, why not 50? Like, because merchandising 51 is an odd number. It just does not stack. There has to always be one foundation that is like stray and solo. So it was like, visually, it's just so much sounder to have 50. I'm not going to exclude that one person just because of the gondola. We're going to rearrange the gondola to suit 51. Um, and you know, so it wasn't a, oh, let's do 51 shades. It was more, this was what was needed at, the, at that particular time. And it just happened to be 51 shades. Um, like I said, I had a much bigger range and they saw my realized it was just a nuisance, you know, like they were, they were so similar that the difference was like, obviously the difference was there and it was perfect, but I'm like to most n- normal eyes, they would not notice the difference between this and this. This is just me being super picky going like, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was that one. But for me, I was, more conscious about creating a product that was more representative about people. You know, everybody creates one formula to suit everybody. I'm like, that's absolutely stupid. The, the, you know, even the three of us sitting here, we have three different needs for our skin because we're three different skin profiles. And so it didn't make sense that if the needs of our skin are different, why do we create the same formula to suit everybody? And so that was more my focus to actually customize these things, make them unique for the user, you know, um, and then including everybody. So, so that was the journey. And, you know, 
uh, um, and we're still learning. We're still learning more and we're still going to do more. But that was that was a good one to come out of the gate with. I want to talk about some of the things that people tend to shy away from, things that aren't the pretty and positive of the beauty industry. You have outlined a bunch of them already. But when it comes to the beauty industry, what would people be surprised to know about brands behind the scenes that you think would be most shocking? I think ownership structures. Ownership structures will shock people in terms of, especially like my community, the brands that think of black that are not black, you know, the brands that perpetuate to be black owned, they put black faces. So if they see ownership structures and they see team structures, they will probably collapse. They will be absolutely flabbergasted to actually see some of the quote unquote black owned brands that they, that they, they think stand for them are actually owned by other people. You know, I can give you an example, Black Up. A lot of black people think Black Up is a black brand. It's not, it's owned by French person so that would shock people you know a legendary iconic black brand block up wow it's not owned by black people even yeah. the head of innovation back then at block up was it she was she's a actually she's actually even better because she's biracial um mm. she's um um she's half guadalupian um but you know she's funny because i always call her that wow you're you know um, biracial kids and you know my nephews are biracial i always laugh about it because you can have two brothers and sisters and they look nothing alike and she was like this person and her sister are one of those she looked like pure caucasian i was like no afro feature came through and her sister everything afro came through and i love it so every single time i see both of them i'm like oh my god you guys are both like nobody would believe you're the same you are part of the same family but but yeah so even black up when they hired her didn't know she was black <laughs> that's the point they thought they were hiring a white woman she just turned to be an undercover black woman who was white you know um, so it made me laugh because and when when she left they hired a vm person to become head of innovation like so you know it's crazy these, these things are wild so i'm telling you people knew the stories that are going on behind the scenes it's it's, it's crazy wow what which is leads us to pull up or shut up which, you know, we would love for you to tell us a little bit more. But, you know, so is this initiative you created, obviously, as a result of all of these beauty brands who've been recently, you know, making donations and posting on their social in honor of the racial injustices that are happening. But many brands are, you know, like they're donating and they're saying how much they're donating and they have these memes and graphics that they're posting, but it's, it's not enough. Um, and you're asking for, for transparency from these brands to share the number of black employees that they have specifically in leadership positions. How did you come up with this? Like you're obviously this past week we've been dealing with so much and then you come up with this like, I just, we would love to know. Well, because everything is cause and effect. That's how my brain works. Cause and effect. Um, we talk about, everybody sees, every, I think people tend to see problems one dimensionally, which means police brutality. So this is police brutality, right? No, let's take a step back. Why? Let's, you know, if we want to dismantle this, let's dismantle it from its roots. You cannot have a tree that you go like, oh, this tree is not working. I want to get rid of that tree. And you just cut a branch of the tree off. You know, what's going to happen? The branch is going to grow back out again. And that's what we keep doing. We keep cutting because we focus on one thing. And even a lot of people I contact say, hey, please support me on this. They're like, no, because I, we think you're distracting from the cause. I was like, no, this is part of the cause. This is part of the cause. You know, police brutality, like look at this thing, right? We've had slavery, we've had segregation. We come out of segregation. There is no economic participation. So we're not in the workforce. We're not there. So what do you do? You push us below the poverty line. When you push people below the poverty line, what happens? You make them desperate, right? 
one in three people in prison are black. I've said that this morning many times. Do you think black people as kids just go, I want to go to jail. When one in three people in prison are black, you're going to think it's an aspiration of ours. It's either an aspiration or it's a sign of a system that's failed. Mm. It's a sign of oppression, right? So you think about the average white household has a hundred, uh, 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 an income of 171,000. The average black household has $17,000. That's not a gap. That is not even a gap. That is oppression, you know? Yep. And that's why when white people see us, they're afraid of us because they assume you're a criminal because they made you, you know, they pushed you into, they, they sort of pushed you into poverty. So that's what you're supposed to do. That's why cops come in all guns blazing because we've been labeled criminals. So everybody knows the statistics about how many black people are in jail, but nobody knows how many black people are employed. You see the tunnel vision? Mm -hmm. So they want to all talk about jail because they want to keep making you look like criminal. So once again, is that brainwashing to the world? You're a troublemaker. You know, immediately George Floyd thing happened. What did they release? He used, he uses methamphetamines. He So they're trying to establish a thug story. That's what they do. They try to establish a thug story for you. So my point is, it comes in many facets. And I love everybody who's working on criminal reforms. You know, everybody's taking, I think this is one time where everybody's taking an ax and everybody's chopping off a branch and taking it all the way to the roots. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to tackle every part of this. We need to tackle the way we deal with race in our homes and the conversations we have in our kids. We need to talk about the subliminal things that you do. I'm not racist, but any conversation that says I'm not racist, but should not continue. That statement should never finish because that statement is a racist statement. And there is never anything good that comes from that statement. You know, I'm not racist, but blah, no, no, don't even allow the person to finish. If you're not racist, then shut up. You just said, I'm not racist. No buts. Keep it there. Keep it to yourself. Mm. The little sub aggressions that we do, we have to start policing ourselves. And, and that's why I was like, brands have to, we have to police them too, because they are the custodians of economic participation and they're all hiding uh, under corporate policies that says equal opportunity employers, but they are not equal opportunity employers. You know, you're not equal opportunity. And then now the fake popular one that, that has taken black people back is because whenever you say black, everyone's like, oh, but you know, all diversity, all la 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 la. Excuse me, I, allow me for once talk about me, okay? Allow me for once, you can, you have your moment to you, I can give you the mic. You know, we know how to do that for other things. We have our cancer awareness month. We have our HIV awareness month, you know? So give me my HIV awareness month and shut up. You don't go to a cancer rally and go like, oh, it's insensitive to people with HIV. Because some people have HIV too, and they are also gonna like need money to like get cured. So we understand that concept for other things. Why can't we do it when it comes to black people? Yeah, you know. And so this is a time for us to make a conscious effort because whatever you're doing, you know, come to say, oh, our diversity numbers is whatever. Don't tell me about your diversity numbers. Tell me about your black employment in particular. Yeah, because this is black people getting shot out there, getting killed. Mm -hmm. Amadou Diallo, 41 shots because he was taking his wallet out of his pocket. And corporations can't see how they played a part. We all have played, they all have played a role. Everybody has played a role in, in this, this system of oppression. Everybody has stayed silent and continued to uphold it. And I feel by them staying silent, by them making donations without looking at how they have all played a role, is them upholding the system of oppression. Many brands had the nerve to post Desmond Tutu's quote. If you're silent at the time of oppression, you've taken the side of the oppressor, right? Mm -hmm. They all posted that. The social media person was posting that probably didn't even know who Desmond Tutu was. Yep. How dare you? Our Desmond Tutu. 
how dare you sold his name for your corporate gain? Mm -hmm. Because it was cool. It was a really cool quote you liked. Mm -hmm. Practice what you preach. Pull up or shut up. And that's what it was. So that was how it came out. It was just, look, I'm done with all this. You know, I'm, you're out there, you're protesting, you're actually doing the work and you come back and you pick up your phone and you see somebody posting Desmond Tutu and everyone's like, yay. And then the next slide is, we're donating a million dollars. Yay. And every brand started outdoing themselves. It became a thing of, of deep pockets. Meanwhile, they were doing nothing about it and enjoying their applause, lapping up their applause. So what's going to happen after the applause? Everything goes back to normal and you go back to your all white workplace. Mm -hmm. Something has to give, something has to change and the time is now. So that's pull up or shut up. It was just a thing that came out of frustration. To be honest, I just, I was so mad. I wanted to do something and thought it up and within pretty much, it wasn't even 48 hours. It was out there. I was just like, I've got to put it out there. And, and, um, and, and kudos to Jackie Oina for sticking her neck out. You know, it's a tough one. There are many people I reached out to and they were, they, we're sitting this one out. We're sitting this one out. We don't want, that some people thought, oh, it goes against the cause of police brutality. And I'm like, it's all part of the cause. Some people are like, oh, you know, some people are just afraid and I get it. You know, you don't want to stand up to corporations. It, it, they're powerful. Everybody makes money. You need, you know, and this is the fear they put in people. Think about it. That you have made people so afraid of you that even people who are in quote unquote power are afraid to speak against you for the fear that you're going to boycott them and then their income is going to go away and they have a family to support. And I'm like, you know what? Luckily for me, I'm just, I don't really care about that stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm going to, after all of this, I'm going to be ostracized from this industry. Like you guys have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be the pariah. I'm going to get invited to nothing, but who cares? Like I would not sell out my people just so I'm cool with you. If you're not cool with my people, then I'm not cool with you. So yeah, so I think it just, you have to just stand up and just go, whatever the consequences, damn it, I'm going to do it. And that's why I commend Jackie, I commend Patrick, I commend Nima, I commend everybody who stuck their neck out and said, I support this because I mean, that, that was a big catalyst in, 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 you know, really legitimizing it to go, Hey, you know, people, this is happening supported and, and then the people just I mean after that people just went they took it on from there they were thank you very much Jackie we'll take it from here I really hope that you know this goes beyond beauty I think that every industry needs to be transparent it has to every industry yep every like every industry like we are go we are not here just for beauty you know it's just we have the support of beauty influences the fashion influences didn't support it you know the fashion influences just didn't pull up I would love to see all these fashion brands report how many black employees they have in their leadership positions. They're too prideful. They will. We're going to go after them. Like we're going after them from tomorrow. We give them 72 hours. Yeah. Fashion over has been tagged 10 million. Like we've given them time to do it by themselves. And if they don't from tomorrow, we're having a very coordinated and organized attack. Every day we're going to list eight people for them to go to their page and flood it. Their DMs, everything. They're going to have the force of 20,000 people commenting all at the same time. Let's see where they're going to run to. So from here, where do we go? I've seen brands revealing statistics. Um, the three of us discussed prior to recording that, you know, we commend these brands that are uh, showing up and saying these things. I don't think they deserve a pat on the back by any means, but uh, it does take, you know, some courage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to say brass tits, but it does take some courage to, uh, to say, hey, listen, like we, we are failing. This is not acceptable. Um, 
but how do we effectively move forward and initiate change? What can consumers be doing? What can creators and artists be doing? Journalists and the brands themselves. What do you want from this? Visibility, accountability. Visibility is very, very important. Always visibility. I think uh, the first thing we need to do. So this first step is about awareness, right? Let's gauge the problem because we know there's a problem. So let's public, let's take it out there because we know when it's public, change happens. When cruelty-free movement started, remember when people... It was when the consumers demanded cruelty-free, now every brand is cruelty-free, right? Look at how much money Cody and all these companies spent to become cruelty-free because the consumers told them with their wallet, you must be cruelty-free. Mm. And that's the part that the consumers need to play. When they wanted vegan, they told the companies, we want vegan, loud and clear. And the companies heard and they were consistent and the companies made vegan products. Whereas before it was, oh no, we can't make vegan products, it wasn't possible. So when consumers want something, they can get it. So I think it's the job of the influencers to amplify it so that consumers are aware, so they can hold the brands accountable. And we have to keep holding them accountable um, in terms of regularly publishing these updates. Don't just post it now and then leave it. And that's why we're here, to make sure we keep chasing them up where you are now. But beyond that, beyond that, we need independent diversity boards to be set up for every industry. We need independent diversity boards to police this. Blue collar workers have unions because white America understood that corporations do exploit the vulnerable. And so they created unions, right? With guidelines, this is what you do. We need diversity boards that comprise of everybody and marginalized groups, white people, black people, Asian Americans, you know, Islanders, Native Americans, everybody get a seat on that table. And let's talk about real solutions and let's implement them. Let's create a charter, let's create reporting standards and enforce every company has to report biannually. Let's create initiatives that we can execute because everything starts from education, from college, all the way through mentorship programs, leadership development programs, mentorship within the workplace, education about um, integration in the workplace, microaggression, company culture. It's in everything because even when people are in these organizations, they're not treated well. So there's a lot of education that has to happen around what does a multicultural culture look like within an organization? that allows people to feel comfortable. You know, when I was in organizations, they would have, oh, you know, a team building activity and it was, let's go to a, a salon and go blow dry our hair. The salons couldn't blow dry my hair. My hair is Afro hair. And so they will all go blow dry their hair while I go home. Or I sit it out and talk to people whilst they're the ones having fun and getting pampered. You know, we need to do better. And so the, I think we know corporations are incapable of policing themselves. They've never been able to do that. These are the same companies that lie to people that cigarette didn't give you cancer. Yep. So companies are prepared to kill you. If, if companies are prepared to kill you, imagine, like, do you know what I mean? They're only accountable when it hits the bottom line or when government re regulation comes in. And I think there needs to be independent diversity boards for clusters of, of similar industry, because every industry can't have their own. It gets too complicated and it, you know, it becomes a beast of zone. But for clusters of industries, and it needs to be funded by the government and industry. They have to come together. And the government also needs to put special legislation to protect black people in particular. Because we're now seeing it's not enough. This is not an all lives matter issue. There is a particular vendetta against black people because in every single area, we have this problem. Whether it's in entertainment, I mean, Oscar's so white, how many years have they been saying that? Music, fashion. So where is the place where we get a respite? Nowhere. So there is a fundamental problem and there's a disconnect. And I think the government needs to step in 
And this is an election year. I'm not usually very active in election years and I can't even vote in America because I'm not American, right? But I will be so active this election year because we need to understand what the candidates are gonna do for black people in particular and who is willing to pull up for real. And whoever's gonna pull up for real, we're gonna ride with you. But you gotta pull up for it's supposed to ride with you. What other black owned beauty brands, black founded beauty brands would you like to shed some light on today if you have any favorites? Yeah, oh, I mean, I, I, every black beauty brand I love. I love Fair and Case, I love Libba, I love Mented, I love Beauty Bakery, I love Dubious Place, I love, you know, Pat McGrath, Fancy, everybody. You know, I love, I love, I love everything black. I love Olori Cosmetics, I love, you know, oh my God, who am I forgetting? There's a lot, there's a lot out there. I, I love everything black, I'm telling you. Like, when people are like, oh, when there's an Oscar or a Grammy and they're like, who are you written from? Like, the black person. Like, <laughs> yeah, Issa Rae, Issa Rae said that at the Emmys or something. Someone asked her like, oh, who are you voting for tonight? She's like, all black people. That's, exactly. that's it. Everyone that's black. Yep. It. It's not because I don't like other people. It's like, if I'm, my sister was performing somewhere, will I be cheering for somebody else? Of course I'm going to, no matter how crap she is, I'm still going to be like, you're doing a good job, you know? So that's it. <laughs> but no, but black girls and beauty are killing it. Like there is no, there's no sympathy credit here. They are all killing it and this woman bootstraps their businesses killed it like they are all killing it so i'm super proud of all the black beauty bosses and uh right on right on and and kudos to richelieu dennis for pulling up for us and starting to invest specifically in black women too so kudos to uh new voices fund the richelieu dennis partner with unilever to actually pull up for black people okay we're gonna hit this quick lightning round you can say as long of an answer as you want or short that's that's the beauty of a lightning round okay Favorite Uma product? It's like choosing between your children. <laughs> um, say what foundation? <laughs> F- favorite creator or influencer to follow? Jacqueline, of course. Yeah, you'll have to follow her. She's real. We love her. First beauty product you ever purchased? Lip gloss. It used to be called wet lips back then. Oh, wet lips? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not that image in my I didn't even get the connect. Oh no, oh yeah. Sorry, oh, I'm like a third <laughs> No, she went there. Oh no. I did. I'm a third I didn't oh, get no. I didn't go there Yucky. either. But the pot, there was enough of a pot. Kirby went there. I'm a 13-year-old boy. I'm a 13-year-old boy. I'm sorry. Okay. Back to PG questions. Um, the best piece of beauty advice you've ever received. Uh, it's from my mother. Um, which is just, you know beauty is about you beauty is from within you know my mother never wore makeup she's not a makeup girl she used to wear red nail polish and she wear red lipstick but my mom is not one who uses skincare or has any skincare routine and every time i put her on ig because she's 67 years old no wrinkles i have more wrinkles than my mother um so she never ever valued those things she never ever like she was always like hip and trendy and fashionista but she never masked herself or needed that to feel beautiful and so it was always like you know love yourself you're beautiful what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received just start and also you don't have to be perfect just try which those two things are are, are related because women we want to be perfect especially when you're a person of color you used to trying so hard it's just you know what I'm not perfect, but I'm trying, you know, perfect. Just try and, and it links with just start, just do it. That's what holds so many women back. Just the fear of not being perfect when they put something into the world. Your favorite place to get your news. My nudes. <laughs> news, news. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. I'm like, okay, my nudes, which of the nudes are we talking about? Wow, okay. Still trying to get my head out of that other one. Okay. Um, favorite place, oh, look, I, I'm a CNN, I work CNN a lot. 
um, I was saying in a lot. And when I'm not on CNN, I'm on the internet, go to the shade room. It's, ooh, it's tea. But, you know, but that's more gossip. I love the so shade I, room. but you enjoy it. It's a good way. Yeah, it's a good way to like knock your brain out and just have a good laugh. So I love the shade room and power to what they're doing. They, you know, they built a credible business with that. And, and when I'm watching actual news, news, I'm either watching Bloomberg or CNN or CNBC or one of those really boring stations. Yay. Okay. That's it. Thank you, Sharon. You are amazing. Thank that you so, so much. That was so, so no. fun and so informative and, and just necessary. So thank you so much for spending this hour with us. Can you tell us where people can find you online and Uma as well? Yeah. Um, we're on Instagram at omabeauty.com. Um, and we're on uh, we're on uh, for me I'm hey Sharon C so say hey Sharon C um, so um, that's that's yeah that's where to find us exactly thank you so much thank you guys so much for listening to our interview with Sharon if you like this episode listen to our other episodes we're on Apple Podcasts Spotify and anywhere else you might get your podcast and find us on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Los Angeles Pod and on Facebook look up our group and join it's Los Angeles and we'll see you next week bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.